0: Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my legal colleague, Liza. Liza, I thought today we might talk about some money issues in property cases, some things to do around lottery wins and windfalls, inheritances, gifts, family loans, uh, maybe a little bit about sort of what happens if somebody wastes money in the relationship and what happens if some of the behaviour of somebody is, is of an impact if it's domestic violence. So, show me the money. Let's talk about lotteries.
1: Lotteries. Don't we all want to win them? Win big. So, in terms of the lottery win, it's still a contribution in short. Mm-hmm. Um, but how it's actually received is going to depend. That lovely line that I use in every single episode depends on the case.
0: Yeah, it's very nuanced, isn't it? There's a lot of there are actually surprisingly um, quite a few cases, decided cases yeah. about lottery wins.
1: I think that's isn't that because they people do say that winning money changes a person. So maybe they win the money and they get divorced, or they've just got divorced and they happened to you know made things worse. So then they're going to fight about it. Yeah, they've got something right. to fight about then.
0: Well, the 2000 case that I think you were talking to me about earlier, Farmer and Bramley, yeah, that was an interesting case.
1: That's where the parties, they'd been together for 12 years and they had one child. They had no assets of any value when they separated. Um, During the early part of the relationship, the husband was suffering from drug-related problems and the wife supported him um, financially and emotionally and she also um, financially supported him while he was studying and assisting him with some literacy skills, and and he was able to eventually obtain some full-time employment. But after separation, um, the child had, was mainly living with mum and had irregular contact with dad. Well, And so about 18 months after the party separated, but before they did a property settlement, the husband had won about $5 million in the lotto.
0: Nice. Nice. Yep. 2000 as well. I mean, that's... yeah. buy a lot with that.
1: So that's exactly right. Well, they had nothing. They've gone from nothing to five million.
0: But this is, hang on, a year and a half after they've separated? After
1: separation, yep. So So it's his, isn't it? No, not necessarily. Okay. The case, we'll find out. Um, In terms of what happened was the wife then made an application for a property settlement and then he arranged for his... Financial affairs to reduce his child support liability to nil. Um, he gambled over a hundred thousand dollars and tried to claim that it was, it, it wasn't him that won the lotto, but it was his mum. Ah, mm. so wasn't he's me.
0: he's gone down the path of fibbing about things, which always ends well.
1: Yeah, so. Um, the judge in that case held that the post-separation lottery win was available for distribution between the parties because Ouch. yeah because of the wife's contributions now let's think back so the wife was you know, him.
0: Doing, he, she was doing all of the non-financial supportive contributions yep. that didn't have a financial value and when they separated they had nothing
1: they st- yep that's right but
0: by the time the property settlement was dealt with he had five million bucks and that's well, or minus his spending.
1: That's right. So or his, mum, th- his mum did. His I mum had fine five million bucks, um, and all, of course, um, so it, as it turned out, she was awarded seven hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. So it's actually it's quite substantial. It's you know when people think, oh, okay, well, overall, um, what does that work out I c- quickly, Alex? Do the maths. What does that work out as a percentage? Assume that the property pool was five million. Fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. So that's not too that's not really too bad. Um, for her, um, you're, ha- you're going to have a lot of people jumping up and down saying, "Well, hang on a minute, she did all that stuff and she financially supported him." Um, but getting back to that episode that we talked about the other week about um the types of, the types of outcomes for people, mm. it all depends on those contributions and, and the amount of money that you're talking about and remembering five million dollars in the year two thousand was a lot more money than what it is wh- it, it, you would think it is today.
0: Although, if the lottery lottery gods are listening, I'd still be quite happy with a oh, five million dollar right. lottery. Yeah,
1: I'd be okay. And and my mum is not winning it; <laughs> it's just all mine. But in terms of um the that whole um case of the the lottery win, the important thing is to that you need to take away from it is that until you are financially separated, and now when I say financially separated, I mean you have a property settlement, as in a property order or a binding financial agreement, the two of you are not financially separated and therefore it's still it's still taken into account. It may not be given as much weight as what you would, you know, you, you might think if it was during the relationship or during a marriage, but it's still going to be taken into account somehow. So it's really important that if you are separated, that you do go and get your, finalise your, um, that, that ho- all of your property affairs by getting a property order or yeah. a, or um, a binding financial th- the agreement. The message
0: there is to jump on and sort it out. Don't don't sit around because if you do end up with um, a lottery win or some other money come into your hands after the separation, then at the time that a judge decides your property, the judge can only deal with what's in front of them on that day, mm. and that would include that money. Yep. Even if you end up with a majority share of it, you still might feel somewhat aggrieved about having to give your ex any of that.
1: Well, I wouldn't Well, Consequent, like, I mean, the yeah. other
0: boot on the other foot, of course. You'd be saying in that case, you know, in the Farmer case, well, why shouldn't she get a, a chunk? Because she's contributed, worked very hard over that time. Uh, but, of course, there used to be. I mean, lottery wins these days, I mean, since the, um, I think it was the zeit case, yeah. which was in the mid-90s. They used to be just classified as windfalls so They just land yep. in somebody's lap. But now there is more of a... A way of considering them to be contributions. Um, Interestingly, that uh, that Zite case that I mentioned, the consideration there was how they um, ended up winning. It, mm. The husband won after um, I think it was about two years. Yeah, it was a couple of years afterwards, and he, he won. It wasn't big by the, by the time. You know, this is a 1995 case, but ninety five thousand dollars is still very nice to win, of course. But the court really said that actually, do you know what? The way, the money came from effectively like a shared pool of resources so normally the courts these days will say you know what most most marriages most relationships de facto relationships are one where the parties share a shared economic purpose and they might pull their money in and somebody might buy all the groceries somebody might pay the mortgage payments doesn't matter or it might go into a joint account but if it's the kind of money you say oh you know what i'm just going to pick up a scratchy and you pull out a couple of bucks out of your pocket it's the same couple of bucks that you might have otherwise bought you know, some milk with or something like that, for, you know, go home with a loaf of bread, but you bought a lotto and that wins. It's a shared contribution.
1: That's right, because it came from the shared funds, the yeah. joint funds.
0: So that's, again, if you if you do decide to get separated, if that happens to you, our advice is generally going to be saying, do you know what, tidy things up legally, go and see your solicitor, get it organised sooner then, rather than later. and then, then, then
1: take your lotto ticket.
0: Then, then... <laughs> go and ask mum if you could have some of that lottery that she (laughs) amazingly won (laughs) shortly after your separation. So, (laughs) All right, well, yeah, I mean, lottery wins. It's it's surprising the number of cases that there are out there. But more common, and this happens to a lot of people because, you know, death taxes and governments not necessarily telling the truth are some of the great certainties of life, and that means that quite a few people inherit money during relationships. You know, the... um, the grim reaper comes to all but sometimes it can drop some coffers into one of the parties' laps during the relationship or even afterwards. Mm. Now, the courts are really quite ambiguous, you know, when you read through the cases as to how they should be determined, the inheritances. But there was a case not so long ago when the full court said, uh, this is in Karen, that there was absolutely no absolute rule how, they sh- how these uh, inheritance should be uh, assessed. And it, it said, and I'll quote from the court, it said, there is always discretion to treat inheritance differently from other assets, but never an obligation to, to always exclude them from consideration. In fact, ordinarily, a trial judge should begin by identifying all of the parties' existing legal and equitable property interests, and obviously that includes inheritances. So the courts themselves are saying, hmm, yes, well, we must take it into account. Even if the inheritance comes to you, at the very end, or even post separation, it's going to be a factor taken into account. There are some reasonable authorities about inheritances that talk about, you know, the timing of the inheritance, and the express purpose in the will mm-hmm. that might be. You know, I you know a, a mum might leave money exclusively to her son, and it's expressed in the will only to him, and I don't leave anything to my daughter in law. It just m- makes no reference to her, for example. That's that can be quite persuasive in terms of it is very much a contribution by the person who receives the money, yeah. and therefore the timing of the contribution becomes relevant. But again. it doesn't
1: take it out of the pool, though, does it?
0: Doesn't remove it from the pool. It exists, you know. As like the Karen case said, you know, it is an obligation of a judge to identify all of the equitable and legal property interests. Oh. So it's got to be in there somewhere. So
1: it's going to be in there. Just it just then depends on what weight yeah. is going to be given as to whether or not it's going to be seen as. Um, all a, a hundred percent contribution by they, that party. Those balancing
0: acts by judges to say, well, uh, yeah, and usually there are other discretionary factors going on, aren't they? Say, look, you know, th- the <laughs> this guy is a decent guy. Or this guy has told lies throughout mm. this, so I'm going to put rather less weight on it, or I'm going to put rather more weight on it. But it's sometimes
1: you'll have the case where, um, you know, mother-in-law passes away after after separation, um, but um, wife has been you know, caring throughout the relationship she was caring quite um, heavily and gave her a lot of financial and emotional and support um, in the same way that she might have given those, made those sort of non-financial contributions to her own family she's making those to the deceased and sometimes um, those sorts of factors will become relevant that the court's going to want to know about so it may be that um, the person who's trying to protect their inheritance might not want um, that to be made um, made an issue in the proceedings, but the court is more than likely going to want to know about those things. Mm. So, if you have the case where you know you've got um, where your you and your wife, for example, have separated, and your mother is elderly, it might be an idea to have some kind of not just in their will, obviously, but just any sort of evidence drafting an affidavit. It's something that can be used as as um, is be given some kind of weight or that the court can rely on as to what um, the deceased intentions were and as to whether or not there's any merit to those suggestions about contributions made from, you know, this party the to person. the marriage yeah. to the non-party, mm, uh, yeah. to that particular... Because essentially it's... it's When you make... And I was, I'm going to sound a bit um, ridiculous here, but the deceased person is almost like... A, and their inheritance is like... Is an asset... Sorry, an asset to... That in that property pool so it's really it's treated not very differently as you would to a, a property an invested an investment property that you've got
0: mm. although i mean there was a, a you know, very, contributions
1: an old, made to that
0: an oldish case now 1991 the case of bonici mm. um the court then it was a late inheritance it was right at the end of the relationship yep. and so what the court said in that case uh was that the other person can't realistically be considered as having contributed significantly to that inheritance no. received very late. Um, as with all of these cases, everything turns on its facts because no two sets of families are ever the same. Nope. You'll be hard pressed to find a case that it f- exactly fits on top of, you know, so, say, your situation. So always get legal advice and go through it carefully when you get that advice. Um, if you are concerned as a parent, you know of couple that might be warring and you worry that your inheritance might sort of end up being fought over by you know, your, your son or daughter and their partner, you have got options. I mean, go and see your solicitor about that. You can create what's called a testamentary trust inside your, you know, your will. And that is then, uh, and clearly you wouldn't have your son or daughter being the trustee of that, no. but get legal advice around it. Um, this is purely by way of legal information, yeah. as we stress to say. But there are ways of keeping that inheritance out of the hands of your child, directly so that the courts can't then interfere with that arrangement. They will usually, well, my view is that the courts will or should, take it into consideration at the very least as what's called a financial resource. That's right. So if you have the benefit of a huge chunk of money in a testamentary trust, then even if it's a discretionary testamentary testamentary trust, it's something that the court can't just close its eyes to. It's going to be aware of it even if you you can't compel the trustee to pay you money, but if it has historically paid you money and it has bought these things for your benefit and that maybe remain in the name of the trust if they've got any wit about them, then it becomes quite tricky to unravel. But it's not something that a family court is going to ignore the existence of.
1: No, and and then it becomes relevant for comparing the future needs of the parties because you might have um, party A who has that financial resource Mm. um, and party B who doesn't and is... Potentially face with a a pension or a Centrelink payment, which is far less.
0: Very different worlds that those people are in. So there could
1: be a a, a very large adjustment made, taking whatever is left. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So interesting. But Uh. one of the things just before we leave the inheritance um, topic, though, is that an inheritance, and I've seen this at this, an inheritance at the start of the relationship, Mm. and if you've got a longer relationship, usually. It's just taken as any other contribution in my experience. I've, I haven't really come across too many cases where, say you've got a 20-year a relationship, whether it be a relationship or marriage, um, I haven't found too many cases whereby the court in, in, um, in assessing contributions has said, oh, no, that was an in- inheritance, that's a sentimental thing um, and you can keep that and it's going to, you know, that the passage of time hasn't really eroded that inheritance, unless it's a, an absolute whopper. So,
0: there was a case back in nineteen eighty seven, actually. Oh, shoe ring, right? And that dealt with a wife receiving a significant inheritance right at the start, um, and that was able to buy the parties a house. Yeah, uh, it was actually another house. And when they, so
1: when they said significant, though, how much was that?
0: I don't know the money amount. Ah. No, the money right. amount wasn't in the uh, in the headnote for that case. Right, but the. Period that they were together wasn't as important. Okay, they were together for quite some time, um, but he didn't do too much apart from a little bit of handyman work around the place. Right. This investment property, and so when they did split up, the court said, "You know, we, we're not going to wipe out very much of the initial contribution factor." So more weight was placed on it. But again, nuances with the, yeah. with that case there is that perhaps the kind of the husband that, was and not you've doing also got much.
1: The, but you've also got the springboard effect too. So yeah. an inheritance can, in, in fact result in parties being elevated into a different um, category of lifestyle. And particularly if neither party really does anything more, mm. then of course the inheritance is going to remain that big contribution. It that, will. That it
0: will it'll, just, it'll sit there and, and just accrue. Yeah. So, uh, we did touch case on by in, case. Yeah, we, we did touch on, a, this is tangentially related to inheritances, which is prospective inheritances. We, we've mentioned that before, I know, on another podcast. But the Tulloch and White decision along the lines of I think the husband uh, wanted to compel the wife's mum to cough up with a copy of her will, but mum, you know, mum's, mum's, the wife's mum was still alive. Mm. And the court said, go away. It's rightly so. Quite, I mean, quite rightly so, because people can change the will at, you yep. know, at the drop of the hat, providing yep. they still have capacity to do so. So, you know, again, if you have exceptionally wealthy and aging in laws, then my advice is to, you know, is to buy flowers and be pleasant to your wife. <laughs> uh, that's no reflection to my in-laws who are lovely <laughs> and, 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 and anyway oh I, I, I did buy some that's flowers why, the other day that's why you're that's always why why I flowers. Yeah, that's right. yeah. oh my okay. god! Yeah, there you go tips for life um, anyway so we'll I will move on a little bit now because that's, that's inheritance is yep. clearly you need to get a little bit of advice the timing of them is very important and the yep. nuance of how the gift was intended will be important too yep. now quite often We'll come across cases, and I've had specific cases with documentation around this too, where maybe a parent of one of the parties has lent them money at the start of the relationship, perhaps mm. as a deposit for a home or something like that. So, when is a loan not a loan? If, you know, if a loan from a family member, does that get taken into account? Do the do the judges look at those? Do they? How do they get treated?
1: Well, do, uh, well. <laughs> I always smile when I see these cases because most of the time, whatever it was intended as, it might have been intended as a loan, but depending on what it suits them to be at the time of the separation, it's then all of a sudden, oh, no, it was a gift. Yeah. It was a gift. Yeah. I was, I had a, I received a gift. Or um, if it was you know, the party who um, is trying to downplay and say, oh, no, I've got to pay all that back yet and then I want to have that um, – $200,000 cash amount, that's got to come off because I've got to repay that loan to my parents.
0: It crops up in so many cases. So
1: when is a loan not a loan? When it's a gift?
0: Mm. Well, there was a case a, a long time ago now, um, AF Peterson's, and Judge Nye said of, of those sorts of loans, mm. uh, he said, although a loan to a party by his or her parents may create a legally enforceable debt and maybe an obligation, if it is not in fact enforced and is not likely to be uh, to have to be met, it should not be taken into account. And, and that seems to still be good law. It's, yep. It might very well have a piece of paper that says this is a loan agreement. It might very well be possible to trace gone from that bank yep. to this bank. But do you know what? If that parent's not likely to sue the child for the return of the money, then it's not in any I meaningful one, way or anything apart from a gift, is it?
1: I had one last year, a property case, and that's exactly how it was treated. It was the father of the wife. Um, was alleging that there was a loan. It was a bit strange. Father, the father of the wife, um, and th- those two hated each other. So he was actually on on the same side as the husband, and so he was trying to get the debt that was apparently was allegedly owed back to the, the to the father. Um, get the wife to have to carry that debt, but in doing so, all it was doing was reducing the um, payment. On our side of the equation of the uh, reducing her net worth, and so it meant that, you know, it was actually a better outcome for my my lady because she it made it look like um, she wasn't getting as much from the property pool when in reality, if she wants to take that that debt or assume that there is a debt in that in that particular um, case. It's not necessarily going to be enforced by the father. There's mm. no legal obligation. There's no judgment. There's no nothing um, out there that says that she, in fact, has to repay that. And it's entirely on that father to then pursue his own daughter for repayment of the debt. So, so um,
0: staying with your parents, everybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was quite interesting though because um, we had to we did cover all that case law in mm. discussing how it would be treated and. And the um, judge in that case was saying that, um, you know, there's no guarantee that that debt is ever going to be pursued and I'm not going to treat it as if it is. Yeah, so,
0: yeah which is it's exactly on song, I think, with, yep. with Judge live back in the day.
1: Urban Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You'll be in safe hands with Alban Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arbanlegal.com.au.
0: But yeah, I, I've experienced that myself. I've even seen cases where there have been actual loan documents signed up by the children. I
1: love the stat decks.
0: Oh the stat decks yeah but no no a a loan agreement drafted by solicitors that people entered into and it was such a long time ago that the wife had forgotten all about it and it had never been pursued never been enforced it was by the looks of things clearly done in order to be able to offset something about Mm. against tax a long time ago on behalf of the father-in-law. Anyway to cut a long story short the father-in-law had deceased and never pursued it and neither did his estate it had died with him in effect so we were able to obviate that one on that occasion (laughs) but get advice in case if you have been paying loan money back to a parent then it's very quite possible that it could in fact be enforced and the judges may take a slightly different view about that but when you just a a lump of money is dropped into your account say pay me back when you can eh, that might be a sort of a, a bit in the never never side of things now something we also hear quite a lot about is Wastage oh, well of life. assets. So, when somebody does something to the property pool to either diminish it, or their conduct, their behaviour is such that it, it, it's you get a lot less than you thought you had. Now, you you hail from New South Wales, so I've dug this case case up especially, and you'll you, you'll guess why in a moment. <laughs> there was this is pre the de facto relationships being covered by the Family Law Act and property sense. So this goes back to two thousand and two, and it was a Supreme Court decision of Solman and Solman in New South Wales and the entertaining part that I found about it it's uh, I know we've we've done another episode dealing with what happens when parties consume too much alcohol Mm. but I, I quite liked in a way this one because the wife said that the husband drank so much and even had her friend give evidence that on one occasion he had consumed six bottles of red wine. Now the judge didn't accept that evidence directly but what he did end up saying was, "I am satisfied. Mr. Solman drank fairly frequently, and that the cost of his drinking was an item in the total weekly outgoings of the family, of a suffice of a size sufficiently large for it not to be able to be ignored. Because just like to put things mm. backwards. So this guy drank so much it was draining on the grocery bill every week, yep. and so therefore that was wastage. Well, I'm thinking waste. Waste. It's not, not waste. No, that's, no, no that's I ra- think It goes to my waste. I guess it depends upon the nature of the wine, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah." It's red, so it's the right mm. color to start with, but um, personal choice. Yeah, but there you go. So there you go. That was just for you, but that's an, an indication as to uh, how how a wastage argument might be framed. And that's a bit of a bit of a fun one. Well, maybe not, but the well, big the big case that if
1: I had a dollar for every time that someone says, "Oh, we need to. This money needs to go back into the pool. They've wasted all this money. They've they've bought these shares, or they've." Um, at a gambling, you know, the, the gambling hunt.
0: crypto pops up a lot these oh, days. It does do oh, that. you yeah. know, he spent all of his he's got all this in crypto and in mean, crypto being what it is, it's 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 like trying to nail jelly to a wall to ascertain what somebody's interest might really be in that stuff. But wastage, the, There's a big case that you were talking to me about earlier, and neither is Kowali. Ka-
1: I I, well, I call it Kowali. It's probably it, not. How it's Kowali with
0: it? a W on the end of it. So That's it's Kowali or koali But um, mm. yeah, so. Talk to me a little bit about that one. This
1: um, is that, a big case, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was from 1981. Um, the judge in that matter uh, stated that, as a general principle, financial losses incurred by parties or either of them in the course of a marriage, um, whether it's as a result of from one of them or both of them, should be shared. Um, so there are, there were certain exceptions and basically it, it all reduced down to where one of the parties have embarked on a course of conduct designed to reduce or minimize the effective value or worth of matrimonial assets so you're talking about some sort of intent here right you so know, somebody, it's, it's, deliberate. it's not
0: yeah it's the deliberate al- element to that isn't it it's yep. you have the state of mind to say i'm yep. going to wipe this money down i'm going to write off the, i'm going to drive this ferrari into the tree so she can't have it type thing
1: but then the judge decided to add to the list and saying, well, or where one of the parties has acted recklessly, negligently, or wantonly with matrimonial assets, mm-hmm. the overall effect, which has um, of which has reduced the min- or minimised that value. So, so basically, the, on the one hand, they're saying it's got to be really intentional and deliberate, but then also, if it was reckless or negligent, or so if you made a mistake, or you just were didn't care whether it was going to have any effect or not. So. I guess um, if you're, I think the only ones that are going to fall outside of that category, the only sort of decisions that are going to fall outside of that particular category are if you, say, for example, you've gone and seen a financial planner and they've said, yep, you really should invest all your savings mm. into these trees. Remember those trees programs? Oh my Have you goodness. Heard about yeah, those? Yeah, all mm-hmm. those. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, I
0: remember going to a, a seminar with uh, some uh, liquidators talking about. These yeah. people who'd invested a lot of money in these plantations. Yep.
1: So anyway, but at the time though, yeah, well,
0: the fact it was a liquidated seminar probably tells you how well it went. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. Oh no, so many people that have been affected by that. But anyway, but in terms of these, you know, the, at, at that time, they're doing. They're not being intentional to try and reduce the pool. They're looking at it and they're getting they're, they're taking advice from someone, a qualified person, what to do and you know, taking that that on board, and now that person then goes invest all their money, and there's nothing left, and then you have the argument by one of the parties who is now you know aggrieved by that decision, and because they've lost all, they've lost everything, and they say, "Well, my husband, they wasted all this money on the trees, and da 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 da, and and that money should be coming back out of his side of the the, the pot." Um, but I don't think that really would get up. If it was a, a real case, if you've got someone that was actually, um, had taken the time to get some advice and just because the investment mm. goes wrong...
0: It doesn't necessarily make, does it, it, make it bad it advice w- at the time if it's no. been delivered professionally. Uh, we all know
1: now that it was all a bit of a scheme and whatever else. But at the time though, um, how can one party really be criticised for doing something that they thought was in the interests of of both parties? receiving advice, albeit wrong, and um, and losing out. If the if it had have gone and skyrocketed and made them multi-millionaires, I doubt that the wife would be having the same argument. wouldn't
0: have been a complaint at all, would it? It would have been the, the lottery contributions yeah, that's argument. Right. <laughs> they so, used to be windfalls, but then they became contributions.
1: But it does get tricky when you're talking about, for example, gambling, horse races. Mm. Because... There's there's going to be plenty of people out there who think that there's a little bit of skill in reading the form guide and understanding the guide <laughs> and understanding the odds.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, I'm the most I'm, inveterate gambler with my 50 cent and $1 bets uh, that I, I put maybe once a month on very basically football matches, which mean, by which I mean the round ball.
1: Um, oh, I, I've I've got a bet that – actually, it's an ongoing bet. It's been going since 1998 – with my friend between the Broncos games and the Cronulla Sharks games in the football, and well, different football that what you're thinking of, the NRL, and we bet fifty cents and we bet it every <laughs> single time. We do need someone to actually tally that up. Who's winning? We don't know. We haven't worked it out, <laughs> but we 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 do want someone to um you know tally that up for us one day. And we don't really remember what the bet was over. But the point is, it's it was just fifty cents each time and. How it all came about, but anyway, that I digress. That's the that's the extent of my betting, but but, but, gambling, but gambling can be a way that
0: people lose a lot of money very it can quickly.
1: Can and you know you or see it all the time. They
0: say that they do. If money is oh, taken yeah. out of an account, you know, turned into cash. Once money is in cash, I mean, it could slip through fingers. It can.
1: It can.
0: Hard to uh, trace that.
1: Mm. Just gave mm. me an idea. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: ever ever increasingly cashless society. I, just, I mean, I'd just spend it. Waste, you'd, you'd see it. Waste arguments are it, in the the ordinary course. Most people use their bank accounts and their cards to buy and sell, yep. or to buy things with these days. So, in that disclosure process that you have to go through with a family law property settlement, you'll soon spot uh, where somebody is, you know, doing what Mr. Solman used to do. Uh, I've, I've certainly seen that bank statements, and you see it. Up until separation, it's Dan Murphy's, Dan yeah. Murphy's, Dan okay. Murphy's, BWS, look like And these vast amounts of money yep. being spent there, post-separation, zero, nothing. Yep. But mysteriously, cash, cash yeah, withdrawal. Yeah, cash withdrawal. withdrawal. Yeah,
1: that's oh, right.
0: Yeah, as if I, yeah, we're not going to see that one at all. But so waste arguments exist. But, I mean, nobody's really going to have a tickle at you in any meaningful way if, if you buy a bottle of wine here and there. That, that's that's just normal living. It's I tell where you, if anyone looked at if, my bank statements, if you're right about six now, bottles of red wine yep. every night. Then I'm just and you're still walking around and standing up. Then you know you probably good on you. Yeah, you probably live in Adelaide and you might be related to me. But um, apart from <laughs> <laughs> apart from that, um, I wouldn't like to say. But well done you for your amazing liver function. Yep. Um Okay, so look waste arguments. Uh, you know the the uh, Koali Koaloo. It's. The, the rule of thumb really is that it would need to be a kind of behavior that was reckless negligent type behavior yep. or deliberate behavior otherwise you know a couple getting together they have sort of a shared economic pathway with them and you rise and you fall together sort of Oh
1: I had one um a couple of years ago and you may remember it um but the the husband intentionally went bankrupt he de- um he um he only owed, I think it was only about a couple of thousand dollars, if that. Right. And okay. wha- but he had the means to actually pay it and pay it off. Um, he went bankrupt because he made a point. He said to his ex at the time, "I will not uh, be giving you one red cent, and I will go bankrupt before um, you get any of that money."
0: And so he did. And
1: so he did. And so, of course, the trustee in bankruptcy gets involved and you know trying to take her car. That she's oh. driving around in because yep. they're saying, "Oh no, he Joint bought that." And some, you know, yep. and and it's just and it was just an absolute nightmare. Poor girl, she she just had to give up. There was nothing that she could do.
0: It was it was, look.
1: it was really really bad.
0: Insolvency and bankruptcy is an episode all on its own to be had at some point down the line, and yeah. not everybody's going to be wanting to listen. That's a pretty no. bleak topic, but you know, and we get some dusty accounts, and then perhaps and you know, we can all just go out and have a cup of coffee, coffee mm. and uh, fall asleep, but. It is, a, it is a real thing yeah, that people try well, and avoid their obligations. People, and they'll cut well, the nose off despite yeah. the face. Absolutely driven by yeah. emotion and zero financial sense.
1: Stupid. But anyway.
0: So talking of people's conduct, that brings me on probably to the last limb of this episode, mm. which is when somebody's conduct is so poor in terms of their personal behaviour towards somebody, will a court do anything about that when it's assessing property? I'm talking about... Family violence, domestic violence perpetrated by somebody—does that yeah. have any bearing on a financial case?
1: Does, but it has to be over a substantial period of time. I think it's not; it's unlikely in the shorter cases because there really isn't that time, unless the the degree of violence is um, quite extreme. So mm. you've got to have. Um, I would have thought that if you're looking at a benchmark, you you need to have. Um, a longer duration of time where you have like little things just eat at you over time and things, things, you know, it might be some coercive control behaviours and um, the the gaslighting and things like that that's been done. Or it could be um, financial control and financial manipulation um, where, for example, husband might say to wife, no, 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 you're not going out and getting a job. No, you've Mm. got, here you go, you have $250 each week to go and get the groceries, make that work.
0: So the, that controlling or abusive behaviour that prevents somebody from yep. being able to you know, maximise their income earning potential, potentially through that. That's right. It that,
1: forces that. them out of the workforce. They have no experience, no nothing. Canon Ken- um, is the case, isn't it? Yeah, yep.
0: you know, We often talk about as family lawyers. Um, and in that case, uh, the, the court said it was uh, – th- I've got it here – it was um, Judges Fogacy and Lindemeyer with a, a joint judgement – where there is a course of violent conduct by one party towards the other during the marriage, which is, and this is key, which is demonstrated to have had a significant adverse impact upon that party's contribution to the marriage, um, or to put it another way, they've made his or her contribution significantly more arduous than they ought to have been, that is a fact that a trial judge is entitled to take into account when assessing contributions. So, if that conduct is something that you can point to and demonstrate, and again, this is what you were saying about it needs to be really sort of, not just a one-off occurrence.
1: No, it has to be over a period of time. And, yeah. it, you know, unless it's like has beaten you to a pulp, that's a different situation, I guess. If you, you know, put put someone in hospital um, and then they're unable to work again, that's probably would fall under that. But I think it would fall under a whole range of other categories first before we worried about Kenan cases. So. Mm. Um, but in terms of it does need to be a, a, over an extended period of time, it's just that continual uh, abuse that... Um, and although I don't think the cases really reference it being over a period of time, but the easier way to show and to prove that you're unable to work is to show that this has all been happening and it's, it mm. makes more sense that, you know, you're go- you are not You might have an argument with your partner and and... You might feel a little bit fragile after it, but it's not necessarily going to affect you and stop you from being able to go off and go to work.
0: Yeah, and, and look, that's in no way sort of condoning or thinking that behaviour is all right. No, it's It's no. just saying from a financial point of view, yeah. is there a, a link between the behaviour that's complained of and the... Yeah, any diminution in your earning capacity or, or in, in your contributions, yep. your ability to contribute. So mm. that's the Kenan point, really. But, I mean, get very specialist advice. It's Go and see a family law really solicitor tricky. if you're not sure.
1: It is really tricky to get up on those cases. Mm. I, um,
0: there was an interesting case that predated Kenan, actually. I'll just mention this yeah. before we wrap up, which was the, in the marriage of Marsh. Mm. And apart from uh, – and this goes back to, uh, do I say, 1993, so a few years before Kenan, which was a 97 case, um, this was where – the husband's behaviour actually ended up with um, the wife being awarded um, a monetary damages claim. She got $7,000 back in 1993, would have been a little b- worth a bit yeah. more than it is now, um, for common law damages so with, under some cross-vesting yep. legislation at the time. So, interesting that a court would be prepared to make that order sometimes, but I would be very reticent about putting that before the courts generally. It would need to be a very specific case. you
1: need some proof.
0: You'd need some very clear proof. Need, on causation. Because yeah, well,
1: that's, that's, the hard, that's the hard thing. So there's that overlap between you know, common law um, and your personal injury sort of cases yeah. and in the family courts where they don't really um, apply those, those sorts of principles too frequently. And But the causation is usually where people come unstuck in terms of those Kenan cases, those yeah. Kenan applications, because you need to show that it's in fact caused that inability to work and earn an income and put you at some sort of disadvantage.
0: Okay, well, I think that probably wraps us up today for those sort of slightly esoteric property cases. Thanks very much indeed for listening to Split Happens and we hope you'll join us again for a future episode. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good